Hello and welcome everyone to the first episode of the Coaching for Profit podcast. My name is Luther and I am here with CEO and President of BKMPC Certified Public Accountants, Brandon Moore. Today we will talk about the three keys to starting a business. So Brandon, how are you doing today? How is today treating you? I'm good. I'm really excited about this uh, first podcast, uh, Coaching for Profit. This, I think, this podcast will be I think really helpful for business owners and leaders who want to do better at their current business or maybe like what we're talking about today, uh, starting a business. And uh, I'm really excited about it. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to answering some questions, maybe even helping uh, new business owners focus their attention and focus their processes on things that matter instead of distractions. So, Brandon, what are the most important factors in starting a business? Luther, I think the three main factors that we'll talk about today, and and there's probably about 15 that you could really focus on. And if you went to the SBA or the Small Business Development Center, they're going to talk about a whole lot of things. But I just want to focus on the three main factors. Uh, First is the tax structure, your entity choice. Uh, Second is developing a good business plan with some uh, basic business strategy. And then the third is tracking and recording income and expenses in a way that uh, is meaningful to you. Tell me a little bit more about tax structure, because a lot of people and some of the most frequently asked questions is generally, well, what is taxes? How do I do that? So can you tell me a little bit more about the tax structure somebody should pursue? Sure. And and when I say tax structure, I'm talking about the, the entity choice and because what entity you choose determines how you're going to be taxed. Uh, most people can start a business without doing anything but, but opening a bank account at the bank. And that is what we consider a sole proprietorship. That's reported on a Schedule C, which is attached to your 1040. It is the simplest uh, method of starting a business. It is not the most tax efficient. Uh, there are some benefits to using that structure, but it's not it's not the best. Uh, there are also partnerships, which uh, generally you can go to the county and file an assumed name certificate, use that certificate to open up a bank account, and boom, you have a partnership. Uh, that's considered a general partnership. There's no liability protection with that type of entity. Uh, you are 100% liable. It's, it's considered like a, a joint and several liability. This isn't a legal podcast, but and I'm not a lawyer, so I have to give that caveat. But again, there's no liability protection for either the sole proprietor or the general partnership. Uh, there's also uh, what people, most people think, well, I'm just going to go create an LLC. And that's, that's great. That's very popular entity choice as far as the state designation of the liability in, uh, protected entity. However, for your tax purposes, it's still going to be taxed as a partnership unless you choose to do something else. Uh, The next structure is a corporation. You can file your uh, incorporation documents with the state of Texas or a lot of people choose Nevada or Delaware to incorporate. And then you have the the option to be a C corporation or uh, make an S election and be a small business S corporation. Now, all of those different entities have different tax structures. And what we do at our firm is we 
we'll do a um, entity choice analysis and see which entity best fits you and your purposes, your trader business or your investment partnership or real estate entity or however uh, works out best for you. And when you're doing this entity analysis, um, what are you typically looking at when you are coming to the conclusion on a particular entity? That's a great question. And, and generally, we're looking at the federal income tax, self-employment tax, and payroll taxes. Uh, we don't usually include the state taxes because the state of Texas has a really high threshold uh, for uh, being taxed at the state level. Uh, for business entities, but for everything else, it's federal income tax, self-employment tax, and payroll taxes. We want to find the this, the entity structure that's going to reduce and, and minimize the overall tax that you're going to be uh, assessed either on your personal tax return or the corporate tax return or, or both. So how does the entity choice affect the retirement plan? Each entity choice has certain options that, for retirement planning. And sometimes when you choose a incorporated entity, it limits the amount that you can put into the retirement plan. All retirement plans have an annual limit. However, if you're a Schedule C, um, you can put up to 20% of your net income up to that annual limit, I think, Right now, it's around 52000 a year into that uh, retirement plan. You choose to incorporate, you make an S election, and then the retirement plan is based not on the net income of the company, but it's based on the wages that that entity pays you as the owner slash employee. And so you could be in one entity, able to put $52,000 a year into the retirement plan, but in another entity, you may be limited to, you know, 20000 So it does somehow, sometimes affect your retirement plan options. And we do take that into consideration when we do the entity analysis. So how important, in your opinion, is a retirement plan? Uh, it's extremely important. I I would not start a business without at least having that beginning discussion. Okay, how are we going to plan for retirement? Um, a lot of small businesses don't plan for retirement, and it's, it's such a huge detriment to them because they may be working 20, 30 years and may have a good living, but then after that, you know, all they have le left is the value of the business and Social Security. And sometimes that, that is extremely limiting in their retirement. For the next point, the strategy and the business plan, how does this flow into developing the business plan and business strategy? It's a great question and, and it is it does flow right into it because the first thing of course is knowing what type of entity you're going to choose in your tax structure. The second part is developing a business plan. Uh, now when you go to the small business administration or development center, you get a business plan template. They're going to want to know what your cash flow projections are. They're going to want to know what your marketing strategy is. They're going to want to know what your employee strategy is, what your product and your product development might be, 
Uh, and so it's it's a, the business plan is an overall structure that, that takes in your financing options, your marketing options, and then your operations. And really, your strategy and product are going to be pushing your, your marketing, which then pushes your operation. Having that strategic planning at the, on the front end is imperative. And the old adage is that if you don't have a goal, you'll get there every time. And the thing is, if you, if you don't have a plan, you're going to have really no restraints or constraints during the year to keep you focused and direct your activities towards that goal and towards that plan. And so the strategic planning that we do at the firm, is we take the now, where, how approach. We want to know where you are now, uh, where do you want to be in the next year, three years, five years, and then we develop strategies on how to get there. In the initial stages of, of a business, uh, I would highly recommend that you, you, know, you spend the, the time and effort uh, and sometimes the upfront cost of creating that business plan. Because then after you go, if you're going six months, nine months, 12 months, you'll be able to look back at these key performance indicators and see whether or not you're hitting your targets and then what adjustments need to be made to continue to hit those targets. I noticed you said the business plan is imperative for the constraints or restraints of a business. you mind sharing with me what that may look like for a business? What would they be restraining themselves? Sure. Um, the the issue with most businesses is not that there's not enough opportunity. Uh, you're actually you're not going to be starved for opportunity. Actually, there may be indigestion from too much opportunity. There's always opportunity. There's always new markets to go into, new acquisitions to make, uh, new employees to hire, uh, changes to the product or changes to the the, the method of sale. If you don't have those initial constraints, you may be uh, tempted to go after each one of those new opportunities. And then what you, what you do is you destabilize the business. Um, and instead of staying focused on the direction that you've uh, chosen. Uh, for our firm, we've really tried to simplify that we are in, you know, in our, on the CPA firm, we're in... Uh, three categories. We're in uh, tax, we're in client accounting services, and we're in business advisory. Our tax, we do have tax planning, tax projections, and compliance. In the accounting services, we have the client accounting, um, which hopes to develop as close to real-time financial statements as possible. And the business advisory is our strategic planning, leadership training uh, module. So We've really constrained those to those three basic areas. And so we know that if something, opportunity comes up that's outside those areas, we can say, no, that's not really in our wheelhouse. Speaking of client accounting services, how important is tracking income and tracking expenses? That's a great question, Luther. And, and that's the third uh, key factor in starting a business is if you don't have a method of tracking and recording your income and expense, you don't have a method of tracking your progress. It is the heartbeat of any business. Anytime you go into the doctor's office, they're going to take your vitals. They're going to take your temperature. They're going to take your blood pressure. They're going to weigh you, and I wish they wouldn't, but they do it every time. Um, 
that's how much, how vital, and they call it your vitals. That is how vital having uh, an income, an expense statement, a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, and then uh, having maybe a dashboard of the key performance indicators that that you've decided are important for you for you to track. Um, for some businesses, for us, it's the number of projects that we complete on a monthly basis. For um, other other businesses, it might be the number number of the dollar revenue per employee. For some uh, businesses, these are these are not going to show up on the profit and loss statement, but these KPIs are determined or drawn from the non-business, non-financial indicators and combined with the financial indicators to come up with the the key performance indicators that let you know if you're accomplishing your mission. I guess the, the biggest uh, question that a client needs to ask is in their business, how do I know that I'm winning? And the answer to those questions are there may be three to five key performance indicators that you can determine are your speedometer, your your winning, your your uh, scoreboard. That's the best way to put it. Is the scoreboard when you look up on the score and see are we ahead? The key performance indicators are those scoreboard. Now, it's in, in baseball you have all these other stats that that are important, but they're not the most important. Uh, for example. Um, you know, you can have a, a, a pitcher who walked 50 people, you know, it's, not, it's more than that actually come up to bat, but they can walk, you know, 13, 14 times in a period of nine innings, but the team still wins the game. Now, that statistic is a poor indicator of, of the, the whether or not the team is winning. And so sometimes these key performance indicators that you choose uh, might not be the best indicator as to whether or not you're winning. So tracking and recording information, you know, you can manage what you measure. And if we're not measuring growth, if we're not measuring these indicators, KPIs, then you have then the only determination that a business owner has. And I used to be on this this determination. This was my key performance indicator. Is there cash in the bank? <laughs> If there's cash in the bank, I felt good. And if there wasn't, I felt bad. It would really determine my mood. And unfortunately for for small businesses, there's a lot of business owners that's the only indicator that they track. And that does not really tell them if they're winning. Uh, Because you could have cash in the bank because you got a refund, which you shouldn't have probably paid in that much tax to begin with. Or you could have cash in the bank because you got a loan. Well, that debt's got to be paid back, and so that's not necessarily a good thing. So, you know, determining uh, those what those key performance indicators for you and your business, and then measuring the the data is just highly imperative. So, my question is, what changed for you so that you stopped just looking at the bank account and Stop saying, oh, well, there's cash, so, you know, I'm good this month. Like, what what was it that did it for you where you started to develop a plan? That's also a good question. And I, I can't necessarily pinpoint a date and time. There were several years that we did so well, and I just didn't feel like I needed to have any kind of 
tracking other than cash. I think it was when the cash kind of evaporated quickly. I thought I had six months of cash, and after two or three months, it wasn't there. And so it it kind of woke me up to to understand, okay, I've got to I got to reevaluate how I track my business so that I can foresee and and foretell what might be coming you know up up the chain in the next few months better than just a snapshot in time indicator. Um, I heard I was reading a, a book the other day on the uh, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset and one of the researchers had tested a bunch of students and the test was based on one one point in time then these teachers and educators were asked to evaluate the potential of these kids based on that one test out of 25 or 30 educators only one uh, wrote to the testers and said, I, I don't think this is a good evaluation. One point in time cannot determine a child's potential. And he used a geometric term. You cannot figure out what the slope of a line is unless you have two points or multiple points. And a single point in time is not a great indicator of the potential or where this child is going. And I think just like with business owners, a single point in time on their balance sheet, knowing what their cash is, what their assets are, is not the best indicator of the slope. You can't calculate a slope based on that one point. You have to have at least two. And so that's why having comparative financial statements from year over year, what's our cash increase from year over year? What's our uh, asset increase? What's your net worth increase year over year? Those are the indicators that are going to be more meaningful to you than just what's my bank account say right now. Wow. I am blown away. Those are the three points in starting a business. Is there anything else that you would like to add as the cherry on top for coaching for profit? Just to wrap up, I just, you know, for all our listeners and those that may in the future uh, subscribe to this podcast, I really appreciate you guys uh, listening. And I hope that you share this podcast. We believe that in coaching for profit, we believe in being our client's most trusted advisor. And I also believe that profit equals your gross potential minus your barriers. If you can just figure out what your potential is, subtract those barriers, you're going to profit in life. All right. That concludes the first episode of Coaching for Profit. We talked about the three main factors to start a business. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time.